Hello friends and welcome to our SBT Sutra Studies class, which we have every Saturday. My name is Venerable Tarpa. Before we begin our class, let's take a moment to appreciate our handsome community gathered here today. Today, I feel fortunate to sit as a member of this kind community in the safety and security of like-minded friends, sharing this present moment with others dedicated to the cultivation of goodness. Today, I'm grateful for the direction and support that this community provides, a community worthy of my time and commitment, a community where my efforts have meaning, purpose, and are appreciated. Today, I'm thankful for this community of awakening, a place to gain the knowledge and skills to improve my life, a family, a home, and a sanctuary for all of us seeking refuge from the storm. And let's remember, as conscientious practitioners, we must recognize our responsibility to the world, to strive to live skillfully while helping others to do the same, to strive to live in balance and harmony with nature and others, to strive to gain mastery over our minds and embody our true benevolent nature, to expand our hearts and minds, transcending our shared human limitations, to not intentionally harm sentient life or our planet, and to maturely accept and embrace the reality of a situation while always striving to improve it. Again, welcome everybody to our SBT Sutra Studies class. We are currently examining the Dharmapada, and we are almost done with the Dharmapada. We only have a few chapters to go. Today we'll be covering chapter 23, entitled The Elephants. So I thought this was a fun chapter to read. And um, before we begin, let's share this, uh, this illustration and this teaching um, entitled Training the Elephants. And I think I have it here right in front of me here. Ah, oh, here we go. So this is a very, uh, uh, old and uh, popular uh, painting. Uh, it, be it, beca it begins from the Indian Buddhist master Sangha and then is made popular by, uh, in Tibetan Buddhism by uh, J. Tsongkhapa, the great philosopher. And basically what it is, it's, it's instructions for calm abiding meditation. And if you remember, calm abiding meditation is the one where we're, we're following our breath and we're learning how to calm the mind down and develop single point of concentration in order for clarity to come forth, insight and, and understanding to arise. So um, I think what we'll do is we'll start down here at the bottom of the image. The image is kind of small for uh, the screen. I am going to make this available on our social media. So as soon as we're done with class, I'll post it. You can examine it up close. So here down at the bottom, we have this crazy monk with a stick. And he actually has a lasso and a pointy stick, which is called a goad, and which they use to train elephants. And so in this really interesting illustration, the elephant is the human mind, and this is about how to train the human mind. The black is the afflicted mind, and often they talk about uh, a mind that's having a lot of problems with laxity, where they use this term sinking, the sinking mind. Uh, but nevertheless, the 
as you can see, the monk is running behind because the, uh, the, the wild elephant's just out of control. And then we have a monkey that's up there too, those monkeys at the top. And if I'm not mistaken down here, the monkey is distraction. So that's anxiety and distraction, right? So if you notice, the monkey's leading the elephant here, right? And so uh, let's read through this real quickly. The monk, hold, uh, the monk is holding an elephant, goat, and lasso. He's the individual here. The flames represent effort. We have these little flames on the corners of the uh, picture. The elephant represents the mind. The black elephant's color represents the mental factors of dullness and lethargy, but you could just say afflictions generally. The monkey is distraction. The black color of the monkey represents the scattered, unfocused mind. Because in both cases, so the ele elephant is dullness and the monkey's distraction, but in both cases, it's a scattered mind. It's out of control. Then we also have an animal that's on, on top of the elephant at some point, and it's the rabbit, which also represents uh, a subtle kind of sinking. I had never quite understood why the, why the rabbit's there. Maybe I'm missing something. Back to our image. So if you notice, the, the monk is chasing the elephant and the monkey. And here we have the flames that are our, our joyous effort. These are the jewels up here. Now, as he's chasing and efforts applied, you notice the elephant is starting to change color. He's some white on him, right? And now, as we move further up, the elephant is more white and the rabbit's on top at this point. Now the monk gets even closer, right? The monk has the tools for, for training the elephant or the mind. The elephant is more white and so is the monkey. The monkey's starting to turn white. Now at this point, the monkey is behind the elephant and the rabbit and now the monk takes the lead, which means he's finally in, gaining control over the mind, over distraction, over laxity. And as they move along, they become more and more white, which means undistracted and trained. And then we move along here. And do you notice here, he doesn't even need a lasso anymore. The monk, the, the elephant is just following them. And also the monkey and the, and the rabbit disappear. So here in these pictures, the elephant is a, is a trained mind without any laxity or distraction. And at this point, they can lay together, right? And then as we move further up, the monk is actually riding the elephant. He's in full control of this elephant as it is in this picture here. And then this leads to complete liberation flying through the sky up here. So it's a, it's a really pretty illustration, isn't it? This is the idea of what we're doing with calm abiding meditation. And this chapter is gonna talk a little bit about this. So why don't we take a look at that? First things first, I was wondering if we could get some people to do some reading for us. Jen, can you do some reading? Neil, could you do some reading? Do we have a third volunteer? Karma, would you like to do some reading? Okay, we have three people. That's lovely. And let's get to it then. I want to call up our first uh, piece here. 
which I think is here. Ah, okay, we're in good shape. Okay, the elephant. Now, this is spoke to, spoken to Ananda, his, uh, the Buddha's attendant, and, so, and they often say it's the Buddha's cousin and dear friend. We have uh, four verses here, one, two, three, four. And um, Karma, would you like to start at 322 and do 321, 322, and 323 as well? As an elephant endures the arrows of battle, I will patiently endure harsh words. For such is the way of the world. Human beings are often cruel. Just as the well-trained elephant lets the king mount him and ride him into the fray, so does the well-disciplined man, the best of men, patiently endure harsh words. Wonderful is a well-trained mule. Wonderful the wise horses of Sindh. Wonderful, the leader of the elephant herd, but those who have trained themselves are finer still. It is not by riding these beasts that one arrives at the untrodden land. The way is traveled by those well-trained through their discipline and self-restraint. Oh, you read that beautifully. Thank you. And Jennifer, 320, 21, 22, and 23. As an elephant in the battlefield with bands, arrows, shot from bows all around, even so shall I endure abuse. There are many, indeed, who lack virtue. A tamed elephant is led into a crowd, and the king mounts the tamed elephant. Best among men is the subdued one who endures abuse. Excellent are well-trained mules, thoroughbred, sindhu horses, and noble-tufted elephants. But better still is the man who has subdued himself. Not by these mounts, however, would one go to the untrodden land, Nirvana, as one who is self-tamed goes on, wait, goes by his own tamed and well-controlled mind. Thank you. That's lovely. Neil, would you like to read 320, 21, 22, and 23? An elephant in battle endures an arrow shot from a bow, so all will endure verbal abuse. Many people, indeed, lack virtue. The tamed elephant is for one, by take into a crowd. The tamed elephant is for one, the king mounts. Best among humans is the tamed person who endures verbal abuse. Excellent are tame mules, thoroughbreds, horses of Indus Valley, tusk elephants, and great elephants, but even more excellent, are people who have tamed themselves. Not by means of these animals could one go to a place not gone to. Where self-tamed person goes by means of well-tamed and disciplined self. Oh, thank you to our lovely readers. You did a great job. Um, so, um, out of the three versions, I think uh, I think this version here is uh, by Gil Fransdale is probably the clearest of the three, though they're all quite uh, fascinating. The reason they they choose the image of the elephant uh, for the mind, uh, some traditions like in Chinese Chen Buddhism, they'll use the image of the bull in the same way. It's because uh, of the mind's 
ability for both destruction and creation. So the mind can, untrained mind, can be the most dangerous thing in the world, right? And especially nowadays when we have all these ways uh, to destroy the planet, the human mind by uh, for sure is the most dangerous thing we know in, in the universe. Um, and that's the untrained mind, just like a bull elephant or untrained elephant can just wreak havoc anywhere. Uh, but a trained mind that's gentle can be very useful. Here they use uh, some illustrations of using uh, how useful they are in battle or how you, how when trained, how useful they are in crowds and they can be tamed and the king can ride the elephant. So that's the idea of why they, uh, they're they using the elephant in, in this context. Um, a couple other things, uh, I think they're, they're pretty self-explanatory. One of the, we begin with the idea is that, uh, an idea of acceptance, that people are cruel and um, like a well-trained elephant, we have to uh, we have to be patient in the face of of a verbal of assault of abuse, and I think it's not a coincidence they use this because, in the same way that arrows aren't really uh, I'm sorry elephants aren't really injured by an arrow. I'm sure the elephant doesn't like getting shot by an arrow. Nevertheless, the injury is somewhat superficial. I think in the same way they mean it. It's a nice illustration for verbal attack. As much as we don't like to be verbally abused by others, uh, how deeply it wounds us is really up to us, right? And so uh, I, I guess in this, in this idea that a well-trained warrior elephant knows to put up with, with the arrows, a well-trained individual does the same. And um, and then the same thing with a, a well-trained individual uh, is predictable and gentle, and they're, they're, uh, it's safe to be around people and families and children and all of those things. I thought the, uh, maybe it's not important, they talk about the thoroughbreds and horses of the Indus Valley, uh, and in the other versions they call it the sign the sign, uh, uh, Cindy or signed horses, but the Indus Valley uh, was uh, a lot. A lot of people believe it was the original uh, place of uh, Hinduism and Brahmanism. So we're talking uh, West North India. That's where the uh, the great Indian, the first great Indian cities, uh, were started. Anyways, uh, just a little historical uh, information to you. Um, and so, and we can talk about fine thoroughbreds, we can talk about fine horses, we, but it's nothing compared to uh, a tamed human being who's the greatest of all. When you look at bodhisattvas and Buddhas and the wonderful things that they can do. Um, and when they talk about the, un the, uh, um, the place not gone to, of course, they're talking about Nirvana. In this one, they talk about the untrodden land, Nirvana. And here where they talked about the same thing. Again, the untrodden land, Nirvana, that um, only a person that's disciplined with self-restraint with, with self is going to be able to enter into Nirvana. Okay, 
Let's move on to the next ones. The next ones are a lot of single verses. So let's do these one at a time. Neil, would you like to read 324? The elephant called guardian of wealth is hard to control. When in the rut he will not eat in captivity, for he pines for the elephant grove. Thank you. Jennifer, would you like to read 324? Raise this. Must, must during rut. Oh. The Tusker name Danapalaka is uncontrollable. Held in captivity, the Tusker does not touch a morsel, but only longingly calls to mind the elephant forest. Thank you. And Karma. 324. The elephant called Palaka is hard to control when in rut. Tied down, the tusker doesn't even eat, remembering the elephant forest. Thank you. So this is the one verse I was mentioning before in meditation, that there was a verse that I couldn't make heads or tails of or figure out how it fits into the rest of things. And this is the verse. It doesn't give me enough information to really understand where it's coming from. Now, the prior verses don't seem to help us. And if you remember uh, in Gideon Schippels, his is the only version that shows us where these were spoken. And this verse doesn't co coincide with the past verses or the next one. This was, this was taught at a different place in a different time. Um, and the next verses have a bit to do with um, problems with people and, and not being diligent. But for the life of me, I have no idea what 324 pertains to. It's the first time I've been, I've had this problem in the, in the sutras. Has, does anybody else have any guesses into what they mean by this? I think uh, Gil Franzdales is the best one here. So we talk about a, a, a strong, this strong elephant, even though it's living in luxury and captivity. Here they talk about it being tied down, but in, but in Buddha Rakitas, they talk about the... Uh, the uh, Oh, one of them talked about him being even in luxurious conditions. I think it was the notes here in 324. Elephant that being held in luxurious captivity by the king only longed to return to the forest to care for his mother. So I can't even guess what this verse is supposed to be about. Anybody? Let's keep reading and we'll... Uh, 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 karma? Maybe just about longing and being held back by that. Cool. Let's keep reading and see if uh, possibly uh, it'll come, it'll become clear to us. Jennifer, would you like to read 325? The heedless glutton who nods off and falls asleep anywhere is like a great hog swilling slap, the sluggard will take birth again and again. Hey, I resemble that comment. <laughs> I am a sleepy big monk. 
Uh, but nevertheless, I do get up bright and early to do my meditations. Karma, would you like to read 325? When a man is sluggish and gluttonous, sleeping and rolling around in bed like a fat domestic pig, that sluggard undergoes rebirth again and again. Thank you. And Neil, 325. The sluggish and gluttonous simpleton <laughs> who sleeps and rolls about like a fat grain fed hog is reborn again and again. Oh, that's quite a picture, isn't it? It's kind of a, a, a familiar archetype, isn't it, for the rich being fed grapes and being overweight and just sitting around all day. Thank you. I don't think I have much to share on that one. Uh, Neil, would you like to read 326? My mind, once acted as it pleased, doing whatever it desired. But now that I have grasped the way that it works, I will control it as an elephant is controlled by the hook. That's great. Karma 326. Formerly this mind wandered about as it liked, where it wished and according to its pleasure. But now I shall thoroughly master it with wisdom as a mahout controls with his incus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying yeah. these wrong, sorry. <laughs> An elephant in rut. I don't even remember running across that vocabulary. I don't have a clue. We'll see if Gil Franz knows what those are. So let's see here. Chen, would you like to read 326? Um, in the past, this mind went wandering where it wished, as it liked, and as it pleased. Now I will restrain it wisely as an elephant keeper does an elephant in rut. Thank you for not giving me karmas. <laughs> sure. So I think karma, those are the, that refers to an elephant keeper. Let's see here in 326. Yeah, an anka sagaho, literally one who handles the goad. That's that hook, that sharp poker for for a, a, of an elephant driver must be the other term. So that's uh, that's great. But this one, this verse was very important to me. Um, as we talked about a few weeks ago, we had a lesson on meditation, and we had a lesson on uh, right efforts. So out of the Buddha's Eightfold Path, um, at number six, we have right efforts, which applies to meditation. The last three of the uh, Eightfold Path are about meditation, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And what we were trying to, to get through to everybody is that, and we often talk about this as being the difference between meditating and vegetating. Um, here, we talk about the mind just going where it wants to, and we're just kind of following it, like the monk is following the elephant, right? And so when we talk about this joyous effort within, or right effort within our path, we're talking about this, about gaining the control, understanding how the mind worked. That was a nice line, was it? Was it here? I once, uh, my mind once acted as it pleased doing whatever it desired, but now I have grasped the way it works, I, have, I will control it 
as an elephant controlled by the hook. So this is the idea. When you're in meditation, it's so easy to just kind of go through the steps of meditation, close your eyes, follow the breath. But basically, let you, you we're, we often, as meditators, would just let the mind do whatever we, we wants to, and we hope for the best, right? We have to be honest. Probably a lot of us just go into meditation, hope for the best. We come out and we decide whether it was productive or not. Most of us don't stop in the middle of that meditation like we have some kind of controlling object and say, now, wait a second, mind I am not doing that. I am meditating today. Like really getting that effort, really developing that diligence, that control over the mind and say, mind, you are an excellent servant, but a horrible master. You have to do what I say. This is what this uh, right effort is all about in the Eightfold Path exactly what they're talking about here. It's the determination to say, no, I will not let the mind drag me all over. I will be in control of it. The mind will do what I want it to do. So I thought 326 was a really important verse for practitioners. This is the attitude we must develop in our meditation, right? We must have that volition, that intention, that I am going to meditate in this way and the mind is going to obey me. And let's move on to uh, Karma. Would you like to read 327? Delight and vigilance. Carefully guard your own mind. Pull yourself out of lower states of being as the elephant pulls himself out of the mud. And if you could, could you read the rest of these in this 328, 329, and 330? There we go. 328. Oh, here. If you, if you can find a friend to go with you who is steady, careful, and mature, together you can overcome all hardships and mindfulness and joy. But if you do not find such a friend to go with you, if you have no friend who is steady, careful, and wise, then proceed alone like the elephant alone in this forest, or like the king who leaves his conquered land behind. And the last one here, 330. It is far better to proceed alone than to find yourself stuck with a fool. Like an elephant alone in an elephant forest, there will be little desire or chance to do wrong. Thank you. Do you remember when we started the, these, uh, the Dharmapada, and we talked about that the verses, are, uh, the verses in each chapter weren't written together, and most of them do not relate to um, other verses. And as you can see by the, the, the headers at the top, they're actually spoken in different places. And through this uh, chapter, you can kind of see that, that the thing they all have in common, all the verses in this chapter, is that the word elephant is in them, right? So this is important when, when you read the Dharmapada, because most people will make inferences based on the prior verse or the upcoming verse. And the problem there is they, these are just all thrown together because they share like a similar word, like in this case, Elephant, right? Okay. 
Neil, would you like to read 327, 328, 329, and 330? Delight in heedfulness, guard well your foot, draw yourself out of this bog of evil, even as an elephant draws himself out of the mud. If for company you find a wise and prudent friend who leads a good life, you should overcome, overcome him all impediment, keep his company joyous and mindfully. If for company you cannot find a wise and prudent friend who leads a good life, then, like a king who leaves behind his conquered kingdom, or like a lone elephant in the elephant forest, you should go your own way alone. Better it is to live alone if there is no friendship with a fool. Live alone, do not live. Do no evil, be carefree, like an elephant in the elephant forest. Thank you. Odorakitas are a little bit hard to read. And I think we have Jennifer up next with, um, here at 327, right? Delight in vigilance, protect your own mind. Lift yourself from a bad course like a tusker sunk in mud. If you find an intelligent companion, a fellow traveler, a sage of good conduct, you should travel together, delighted and mindful, overcoming all dangers. If you do not find an intelligent companion, a fellow traveler, of good conduct and wise, travel alone. Like a king renouncing a conquered kingdom, like the elephant Matanga in the forest. There is no companionship with the fool. It is better to go alone. Travel alone at ease, doing no evil, like the elephant Matanga in the forest. Thank you. I thought Gil Fransdale did a really lovely job on these. So in the first verse, we talk, we have uh, in the three different versions, we have um, Gaden Chippo talks about pulling ourselves out of the three lower states of being. And those are the three realms. That's the hell realm, the ghost realm, or the animal realm. And that's uh, places that we don't want to be reborn. Um, and then they talk about that slightly different in each one. Uh, they talk about the bog of evil. And I never like using the word evil in Buddhism. I don't believe it fits. I think Buddhism, we see evil is mental illness or mental affliction. It's not evil for evil's sake. It's, it's confusion and ignorance. So I don't like to see that. Um, nevertheless, uh, so uh, the first verse is just about, you know, be vigilant, protecting your own mind, that it's very easy to get caught up in into uh, non-virtuous habits. Uh, people that are non-virtuous, it's really easy to get caught up in that. The next two verses are, are wonderful. And there's so many memes about this throughout Buddhism. This sentiment is is uh, repeated over and over again and it's the idea that if you can't find decent people to walk the path with and we could talk about this being this can be either a teacher a fellow practitioner or sangha in general all three fit into this if you can't find decent people that you respect that uh, that uphold the behavior of buddhism it's better to walk alone you know, like a, like an elephant that just 
takes off. And so, uh, and I believe that to be true too. Every time I get lonely, I say that. I say that to myself. Uh, anyways, uh, but we're lucky. We have a, a wonderful sangha of fine practitioners, so none of us have to walk alone. This is the great thing about uh, about sangha. A sangha who is has good conduct and is wise. That's just absolutely wonderful. There's no companion with a fool. There's no companionship with a fool. It's better to go alone. At ease. Oh, that's lovely. And um, just look, we have three last verses. Now, these are the verses spoken to Mara by the Buddha. And so that's not uh, unusual. Remember that Mara isn't a person. Mara isn't the devil, as, as many even Tibetans make them sound like it is. Mara uh, is, you have to remember that Buddhism is taught on different levels within Tibetan Buddhism. You have simple Buddhism that's taught in stories that is for the lay people, for the uneducated. And um, the the higher monks, they don't care if it's accurate or enough. They, they just care. Uh, does it, it is the meaning there to help people live virtuous lives, even if it's incorrect, and even if it's scaring people into behaving well, they think that that's perfectly fine. At higher levels, there's a, a rational and intellectual understanding of a lot of these things. And the higher monks don't try to burden the poor lay with those ideas. It's terrible, isn't it, this, this type of hierarchy? In SPT, we don't do that. Every Everything's transparent. So in this case, um, uh, Mara is the, is the archetype for our own afflictions, or what we'd say are shared human limitations. That is Mara, right? It's temptation. It's, uh, it's clinging to desire. It's immaturity. It's selfishness. It's hatred. It's all of these qualities unmindfulness, you know, our, our, our inability to control ourselves. And so that's Mara. So when the Buddha is fighting Mara and he's battling Mara, uh, the idea behind this, and, and, and this is said in all the traditions by the, by the senior teachers, that the idea is that the Buddha is talking about battling his own unenlightenment, right? His own awakening, which is what? ignorance and confusion. It's his ignorance of how he truly exists. It's ignorance to his true value, his true potential, and his true nature. Or we say the three poisons, anger, aversion, attachment, aversion, and ignorance. So that's what Mara is in this case. So, uh, but what I found more puzzling is that when I read that, I expected there to be some bravado, like, Mara, you shall not tempt me. But let's read these, and it's actually quite the opposite. Uh, Jen, would you like to start with 331, 32, and 33? It is a delight to have friends to share one's wealth, but delightful to be content. It is a delight to have merit at the time of death, and a delight to abandon all suffering. It is a delight to be close to your mother, a delight to be close to your father. It is a delight to be a monk in the world and a delight to be a Brahmin. It is a delight to see virtue that lasts till old age, a delight when firm faith arises, 
a delight when wisdom is attained, a delight when sin is avoided. Nice job. Neil, 331, 32, and 33. Good friends, <clears throat> when need arises, good is contentment with just what one has. Good is merit when life is at an end, and good is the abandonment of all suffering through our hardship. In this world, good it is to serve one's mother, good it is to serve one's father, good it is to serve the monks, and good it is to serve the holy men. Good is virtue until life's end. Good is faith that is steadfast. Good is the acquisition of wisdom, and good is the avoidance of evil. Well done. Karma 331, 32, and 33. They're all in one verse here in Fransdale's version. Happiness is having friends when need arises. Happiness is contentment with whatever there is. Happiness is merit at the end of one's life. Happiness is the ab abandoning of all suffering. In the world, respect for one's mother is happiness, as is respect for one's father. In the world, respect for renunciants is happiness, as is respect for Brahmins. Happiness is virtue lasting through old age. Happiness is steadfast faith. Happiness is the attainment of wisdom. Not doing evil is happiness. Thank you. So I, I thought these last three verses were wonderful, huh? And um, right from the Buddha's words on what, uh, what really is satisfying and happy in the world. But isn't it, aren't they three strange verses to be talking to Mara about? Um, maybe he's, he, it's a rebuttal and he's trying to, maybe Mara says, well, what happiness is is sensual desires and sexuality and drinking. And, and the Buddha maybe says, no, Mara, you're wrong. This is happiness. So uh, that's the only thing I could think about. Um, I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was really pretty. An interesting thing, um, Gaden Chappelle has... Uh, it's a delight. Um, it's a delight to be a monk in the world and to be a Brahmin. Brahmin can be thought of as a bodhisattva, a high practitioner. Brahmin is actually comes from the Brahmin uh, religious tradition, but the Buddha would often use it as a uh, as a archetype for an awakened being. Um, so Gaden Shippo talks about it's a delight to be a monk and to be a Brahmin, but the other two versions talk about honoring, uh, here they say honoring a, a monk or, or serving a holy man, and Gil Fransdales talks about respecting a renunciant and respecting a Brahmin. Uh, Gaden Shippo had a lot to say about the monastic order, and more about the, the, the bad side of the monastic order, of the archetype and the uh, hierarchy 
and he and the the dogma he didn't he didn't care for that he was a he was a bad boy in the tibetan tradition if you remember the story we told uh, he he spends a lot of time in india when he finally comes back to tibet they don't like his out out uh, his, uh, out outward kind of uh views and uh, he ends up in a prison and dies in prison in tibet he doesn't become famous until many, many years later, his books were banned. And now Tibetans really appreciate his viewpoint. So it kind of makes sense that he didn't want to talk about respecting uh, 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 monks and renunciants or awakened people. But um, I thought it, it's really, I thought it was just really pretty. Uh, a couple of the lines, of course, it is, it's, always, it's always wonderful to have friends when, th when the need arises, uh, contentment for sure, merit at the end of one's life. And what they mean here is, I take it as being prepared for the end of life. Um, happiness to abandon all suffering, of course, respect for one's mother, appreciation for one's mother, appreciation, you could just say the love of mother and father, right? And then to, to respect and uh, revere monastic or, or let's just say practitioners, right? Good practitioners, teachers. Of course, that's a, a great form of happiness. So, um, and of course the last one, to do no evil is happiness. How about is that so simple, right? To do only good, to do no evil, to purify the mind. That is the end of this chapter. Does anybody have any thoughts? Did you notice nothing ever seemed to make sense of 324? None of the prior verses. That just stands out on its own. Uh, I have a Theravada uh, professor I'm friends with. I do his translation work. I'm going to have to write him a note and ask him, what the heck is 324? Would anybody like to? Does anybody have any questions? Thoughts or comments on our class today? I'm going to take this down temporarily. Did you enjoy it? Oh, uh, Sampo, please. So, yeah, I was, <clears throat> I was trying to have a thing about the, well, the idea of speaking to Mara, and I was wondering, is, is that through sort of meditation or through reflection that, you know, that, that that comes around. Obviously, you know, Mara doesn't. Well, we, we we're saying Mara doesn't exist, so it's not a physical talking to another person, or you know, like Jesus on the mound, you know, with the the devil trying to, um, you know, th this is about, you know, is this more about uh, meditation and looking at the negative aspects or the, um, you know, trying to identify the more sort of positive, you know. I would say neither. Uh, Mara, of course, we're affected by Mara more when we're not meditating, but Mara is simply our unenlightened mental state. That's what Mara is, and Buddhahood is our awakened state. So the two work as opposites. I would recommend a book to everybody. Stephen Batchelor wrote a book all on Mara itself, and he's got some really interesting views on who and what Mara is. And uh, what I shared with you is what I believe the most common view is. What I tend to share is what I, what I take away from having a very broad view of all of the different traditions. That's what really 
what really influences my own belief. I, I, I tend to focus on things and hold stronger beliefs on things that are represented in all the traditions. Yeah. Good question, Sampo. Thank you. But I thought it was an easy to understand chapter. I think it was inspiring, right? And, I, and specifically what I liked the most was this idea of how uh, the elephant story pertains to right effort in the Eightfold Path. I've been trying to make that point clear to the Sangha. Uh, if you notice it every few weeks, I'll, I'll, bring them, I'll talk about it and bring it in because I think that that's the major problem with most people's meditation is that they don't, they don't get the lasso and the gourd for the mind. They don't really take charge and say no to their mind and, and, and really actively get into meditation. They're always kind of just being dragged, dragged along by the mind. So to me, this was a really nice illustration for that. And I hope that's, that's really clear to everybody. Okay, with that note, how about if I do a little conclusion of today's class? Um, so in this illustration of the, uh, of the well-trained elephant, a well-trained mind is seen as having many of the attributes of a tamed elephant, a tamed mind that is disciplined and shows self-restraint, can uh, patiently endure harsh words and uh, treatment. And I know that well, as a lot of practitioners here do, that when we become calmer and more patient and more mindful, those, those things in life that used to really, really wound us and bother us, they're a lot easier to overcome now. Don't be content into letting your mind do as it pleases. Tame it and take full advantage of its abilities. Take charge and make the mind do your bidding. Take control and create the life of your choosing. Be mindful of the hindrances in practice and don't succumb to sloth. It seemed like the, uh, the whole focus of uh, this chapter had a lot to do with dullness, laxity, and sloth. Uh, I think that that's not just being sleepy on the meditation cushion. I think it's a question of getting out of bed to meditate, right? Of actually getting to work with the practicing. Delight in your own virtue and diligence, in your goodness and wisdom, while always guarding yourself against non-virtue, lower past habits and ignorance. If you have a friend or sangha on your path, feel very fortunate and practice joyfully. If you don't have these things, be brave and stay determined and practice joyfully alone. It is better to be alone than to be with the difficult. It is delightful to have others to share the path. It is delightful to be content. It is delightful to feel prepared on your at your time of death. It is delightful to have transcended suffering. It is delightful to be loved and respected by family, respected and revered by practitioners is delightful. Respecting and revering awakened beings is delightful. Happiness is embodied virtuous behavior that has been habituated and sustained. Happiness is steadfast faith acquired and proven through reason and personal experience. 
Happiness is the attainment of wisdom, understanding, and insight. Happiness is not engaging in non-virtue. Remember that these uh, sutra studies are meant as practice instructions. So in order to get the greatest benefit, we need to engage fully with them, utilizing the three great objectives of study, contemplation, and meditation. Your work this week is to discover how these teachings apply to your daily life, transforming them from words on a page into living dharma. Next week, we'll be moving on to chapter 24 of the Dharmapada, Craving. So let's end today's class with our altruistic affirmation. May all be healthy, may all be prosperous, may all be well, may all be present, free of past regret and future worry. May all abide in constant appreciation, which is a source of great joy and contentment. May all realize their true nature and the true nature of reality, which is awakening. Thanks everybody for coming. Remember that the SBT community was created for one purpose and one person, purpose only, to support you, the practitioner. Thanks for coming, everybody. Good to see you. We have class tomorrow on self. It's going to be a great Sunday teaching. See you then. See bye you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks, Anytime. Anytime.